All right, Nick Smart, uh, you did not catch the Leafs game tonight, but uh, I know you just saw the Tavares hit. The fight I did not expect to be talking about tonight was that at the opening faceoff, following that exchange, Foligno, uh, shit-talking Corey Perry, makes it very clear, sir, you are going to have to pay for your sins here. Uh, puck drops, Perry's the first to drop the gloves, knows what's up. Uh, was that a reasonable fight, in your opinion? Was that first of all? Was that Perry's knee that hit Tavares's? Yeah, that's oh, it. yeah, that's, that's right. not Corey Perry's fault. That has nothing to do with Corey Perry. That, that's a freak bang bang play in a high speed, fastest sport on earth situation. I, I don't, I don't see Felino's beef there. Like I, I can kind of see it, uh, metaphorically in in you know symbolically, um, just to make a statement, get his team in the series. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't blame Corey Perry for that one bit, and I. I Bet you John Tavares wouldn't either. And we're getting some breaking news here. It sounds like uh, he's conscious, uh, communicating. Tests came back clear, but he's going to remain in hospital overnight. I, I agree with you there. It's, I actually have a lot of respect for the quote-unquote code in the NHL and the idea that if you take out one of our guys we're, you know, inappropriately, we're going to come after you. I've always, I've always kind of liked that part of the game. I especially thought it was appropriate in the Tom Wilson situation where the league decided not to deal with it themselves. So the teams decided that they were going to have to. Yeah. Uh, Tom Wilson's a goon. Um, I I don't think Perry was targeting him. And and I think that's the difference, right? Is that like, Perry's not a goon. Perry doesn't have a history of this kind of nonsense. No. And you can't stop on a dime, especially at his age. That was such a bang, bang pinball play. Yeah. Now appropriately pointed out on hockey night in Canada, like Foligno saw the play once, right? He probably didn't even see a replay. So all he knows is this is the guy that hurt our captain. So exactly. Whose knee was that? That's all he wanted to know. Right. (laughs) Um, I, I, oh, I thought it was scary. one of the dumbest fights I've seen in hockey. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's almost as bad as uh, the La Russa unwritten rules of baseball stuff we'll get to later. Yeah, just very, 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 very silly. But uh, we are, you know, we always used to say we are a football first podcast. I was thinking the other day, I think we need to adjust that phrase and say we are a physicality first podcast. Uh, which is to say that UFC gets an awful lot of time on this show lately, and we are coming up on what I think is like a pretty decent fight night this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, Rob Font headlining against uh, Cody Garbrandt. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people like Cody here, and I don't. I feel like Rob Font's had a few good fights in a row. Uh, am I out of my mind thinking that that Font is in a good spot here? Yeah, he is in a great spot. Uh, big things on the way for whoever wins this fight. Um, I'm not saying they're going to go right into a, a title fight, but certainly going to be in the mix for a uh, number one contendership. Um, yeah, Font needs this that needs this win more than Garbrandt does. Garbrandt can lose here, and he's still going to be all right. He's Cody Garbrandt, but uh, Rob Font has built himself some, some momentum, and uh, yeah, he needs to keep going because a lot more people know Cody Garbrandt than Rob Font. I would wager. Uh, Felicia Spencer rejoining the world. Oh, yeah. Uh, against Norma Dumont, who I know mm. nothing about. A 5-1 and uh, one record at the age of 30 tells me that she may have been a little late to the fight game. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was originally supposed to be Danielle Wolf, okay. um, But Wolf pulled out, pulled out of the fight early May, doing an undisclosed injury. 
and Dumont is the replacement. And then um, they either way, that UFC paid part of her purse up front to make her Las Vegas move possible. Oh, wow. Interesting. Um, I will tell you, though, uh, pretty safe bet for the phenom Spencer here, um, the Canadian who trains in Orlando. I think she wins this fight pretty easy. Yeah. Anything else on the card you would want to uh, highlight before? Uh, the Jack Hermanson-Edmund Chabazian fight, uh, which was supposed to be last weekend, uh, got moved, kicked down to this card. And I, I like when they do that. I like when they preserve the matchup. And I'm, I'm sure Dana sees the value in that because you don't have to start from scratch marketing-wise, right? And all that marketing money that previously went into the fight doesn't just go down the toilet. I like when they keep the parent intact and they just kick the can down the road. I, I don't like when they say, okay, let's break this up and find some advanced partners because then you're always left wondering what if, what if, right? So I'm glad that they kept Hermanson and Chabazian uh, together. They're going to sell their business, uh, middleweight bout. One thing I am surprised about, and I know maybe it's because it's a replacement, uh, you know, kind of crammed in their fight for this card, but um, the first fight on the main card, uh, I, I think this should be the uh, co-main event myself, but it is what it is. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens there. I'm interested in a uh, six-fight main card. I think that's a good time. Hmm. It's going to be yep. tough, uh, for me at least, uh, going against the Leafs game at the same time. But Yep. I like uh, the Joker here. I like Jack Hermanson, uh, the, the Swedish-born Norwegian. I think he gets the win here. Um I'm always talking about how the company wants good things for Macy Barber. Uh, the company definitely wants good things for Edmund Chabazian. And he's in a spot where he can lose this fight, which I think he will. And he's going to be just fine because he's so young and he's got good things on the way. But I think uh, Hermanson gets the win here. Yeah. Um, after a few days of reflection, anything else about UFC 252 you want to touch on? I mean, I should probably back down from the stance that I, I want to see Chandler get right back in there. I, I do think that he's got to go win at least one fight, maybe two. But, yeah, I mean, at some point, Justin Gaethje is going to have to factor into it. And if Dustin Poirier gets the jump on Connor, I mean, there's no denying that he's the true number one contender, right? I mean, he had a choice, either the Connor trilogy or fight for the belt. And he chose the Connor trilogy because he's seen dollar signs, obviously. Um, but if he gets the win over Connor, he, uh, he needs to go, uh, go fight for the belt. And someone had a good point. They said Oliveira with, you know, this being murderers row in this uh, weight class, Oliveira is probably not going to have that long of a title reign. And if Oliveira goes out and loses his first title defense, that's good news for Michael Chandler because that means he can get right back in there all the quicker and parity is kept intact, right? Because we've already seen that Oliveira-Chandler uh, matchup once. Yeah, let's. I, I just want to talk for a second about the updated rankings here because we've got Tony Ferguson dropping one spot from five to six. Uh, that's insane. Uh, Benil Darius goes up to three, leapfrogging Chandler, which I I, I find equally insane. You know, um, I I I'm really shocked to see. Uh, you know, Ferguson should have dropped further. And you just put Darius in the five, I think, and let McGregor stay at six and uh, Fergie's at seven. But um, according to this, you know, 
it's Poirier, Gaethje are the guys. And yeah, you're absolutely right. If Poirier makes short work of McGregor, he's the guy. Yeah. Whoever wins that fight without is going to be the guy. And without, I, without I also I, think I, on what you were saying there, Poirier will be rewarded. Like Poirier choosing McGregor over the title is a money fight. Mm-hmm. And I think Dana and the UFC team are always going to appreciate guys that help them make money fights. And mm-hmm. we should we should expect that he'll get whatever he wants if he gets the win. I agree completely. Um, one name, a couple names here that I think do deserve to be mentioned. Uh, RDA, Rafael Dos Anjos. Um, he was, I'm not sure he has a fight announced yet. Um, he's still in the top 10. Uh, his arrow's still pointing up. He's going to need a dance partner here. Dan Hooker. Uh, but uh, look at number 10, Islam Makachev. Uh, DC came out this week and said this time next year, Islam will have the belt. Um, so bold prediction. We'll see what happens there, but let's give him a, a big name guy. Let's figure this all out. I, I I hate to beat a dead horse here, but I really think it's going to be Gaethje and Chandler. I think that's the only fight that makes sense. Yeah, I highly entertaining fight too. Those are two fight styles. That that fight would be an absolute banger. Um, I I have to go back to the Ferguson thing. I, keeping him in the top ten, I guess, but six, um. You know, I I don't fully understand how Paul Felder moved up a spot. Yeah, I don't understand that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Inactivity, I don't get it. Um, I, I I'm honestly at a point where I'm like, if you guys are going to be so goofy about your ratings, then just have Ferguson face one of these guys from seven to ten, and they'll put him out to pasture. Um, that that wasn't necessary. They could have protected him and and moved him to twelve or something or eleven. Um, and said like, "Hey, you want to move up? You got to fight a 15 first because you got to show us something. You've literally shown us nothing for two fights now, and the fight before that, your face got changed forever. Uh, it, it, it's un- it's unfortunate, um, how this ended up going for for Ferguson. But we we can't sit here and pretend that he's the sixth best lightweight in UFC. No, he's uh, not. Gregor, it's not close. No." Gregor Gillespie at 11 uh, would beat Tony Ferguson. I love Tony, but, you know, uh, Father Time's undefeated. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, and that Gregor... one's not just time. That one's damage, too, right? Yep. Like, no, exactly. Yeah. Uh, all right. Anything else in the UFC you want to get to? Whew. Let's see. Um... Oh, I feel like there's a ton of stuff uh, off the top of my head. Um, I know there's a lot of Triller in Dana White drama this mm. week. Um, Triller's offering to pay a million dollars to Dana White's charity of choice if he'll let, uh, if he'll waive and let uh, George St. Pierre box um, the addict Oscar De La Hoya on a, on a Triller card. Um, Dana has you know, block that. And it doesn't look like he's going to let that happen. Well, not only that, when he's asked about Triller, he just openly mocks them at this yep, point. He does. Yeah. He does. He does. And Triller is kind of lying right now. Um, Chael Sonnen had Jake Paul on last week and flat out asked him straight up. Do you, have you signed a multi fight contract with Triller? Do they own your rights right now? Mm-hmm. Jake Paul flat out answered it. No, I'm a free agent. Not only am I a free agent, I would never sign a multi fight deal. 
Um, I'm always going to be a free agent. And now Triller's coming out and saying Dana White's trying to steal Jake Paul from Triller. But Triller doesn't own Jake Paul, so it's uh, it's not looking very good for Triller right now. Desperate moves by desperate people, it seems to me. Yeah, I the Triller thing is increasingly looking like there's not much there there. Where, it, you know... Listen, if you're really successful and you actually sold 1.5 million pay-per-views, you don't run around messaging people on Instagram that they have to pay a fine for illegally streaming your content. That's no. that's not how that goes. No. Um, I have a I, what I imagine is they probably had 1.5 million views and about 50,000 of them were paid. Right? It's probably not that extreme, but I think you get my point. Yeah. Um, and and they're in a spot where they're just trying to make headlines here. There's no value. I I'll tell you what. I think Dana might even be doing GSP a favor here because I don't think GSP wants it either. Um, and these guys are clients. These guys, yeah, I've you know if if that was something GSP wanted, do you think he would uh, go out in public, you know, make it public and and put it out there? Because anytime you know the Khabib thing has been bandied about, GSP's gone on uh, JRE. Uh, he's gone out there. He has hair now, by the way, which I don't know if you've seen. It kind of looks weird. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like the Brian Urlacher uh, <laughs> plugs approach. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm. I'm not confident that we're we're gonna see that fight, even if even if Dana said it was okay. Speaking of drama around making fights, uh, Deontay Wilder. Mm, yeah, I saw that broke while I was at football practice tonight. Uh, yeah, Anthony Joshua take a back seat for a little bit, huh? So that story is absolutely wild. I mean, mm. it it's clear that Tyson Fury was trying, I don't want to say trying to pull a fast one, but, you know, there was an arbitrator that was going to decide if Fury and Wilder had to fight again. Uh, you know, Eddie Herm, Bob Abram, they've all been mum. The the real guys have been mum about it. Uh, Anthony Joshua has been playing the I just fight game, right? Don't ask me about I just I fight where they tell me to fight. Um, but Fury comes out and says, Saudi Arabia, $155 million. I'm so happy. We're going to go do this fight. And yeah he he loses the arbitration the contract is read in a way that says that wilder is owed a rematch and they the the arbiter really stuck it to him saying he's got to do it i mean the fight was scheduled for august i think um and the the arbiter said you you have to fight wilder before september 15th so the rumor That's that's not the rumor was that Saudi Arabia slash Abram and you know you know all the money guys offered Yeah, Bob Aram is real neck deep in this, yeah. Um, I mean the guy's a crook. Big crook. Uh offered Wilder some amount of go away money, right? Of like, okay, mm-hmm. you're out this fight, so what's yeah. wh- what's the number for you to step up? Let's buy out. Yeah. yeah, let's buy out. Um and Wilder to his credit said, Nope, I want the fight because I'm gonna yeah. beat him and I'm gonna get the title. I'm not going to go out with a heavy costume this time. So I I think most 
Boxing observers would tell you that Fury is going to be a very heavy favorite in that fight. God, yes. Um, ESPN is reporting the purses will be split 60-40 in Fury's favor. Fine. With that said, I I, I got to say, just as a as an early note, when people constantly tell you how good a fighter Fury is, and he is, and how he outclasses Wilder, and he does, yeah. uh, let us not forget that yeah, Wilder has that one punch yeah. power. Yeah. That just needs to touch him once. Yeah, it's going to take one punch yeah. for that fight to be over. So, yeah, that uh that Fury rising from the dead moment in the first fight. Mm-hmm. Like that only happens one out of what a hundred times, one out of I mean, ten times at best. I, I don't think we're gonna see it happen again. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, if Wilder touches them like that again, it's probably gonna be a Wilder win in in number three, yeah. which begs the question: Will that lead to a four? Which I would say yes, because a it's boxing. B, what other big fights are you gonna make? C, what you know, like after Fury fights Joshua, what's next for you know what I mean? Like, yeah. We're kind of in a weird spot with the, but we always are. I mean, that's boxing. I mean, it's a crooked, stupid, you know, it is the backwards main issue, sport. Is the main issue with boxing that you can never get the best two fighters in a weight yeah. class to fight each yeah. other. Yeah. And as many pundits in MMA put it and pointed out perfectly, the biggest mistake the boxing promoters ever made, they made it unacceptable to lose. Right. You have to have these perfect records. In, in MMA and UFC, everybody loses, and it's just acceptable. But in boxing, they have to drum up these, 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 these false records by, you know, rolling out these clown shows that these guys just roll over so that they can have these twenty-eight and zero records. Yep. Because if they're twenty-seven and one, nobody wants anything to do with them. Yep. Uh, strong point, and I I think it's to the service of or to the credit rather of MMA and and UFC specifically that. One, they make the best fighters fight the best fighters. Like the rankings matter, and it's it's going to be a thing. Um, and and two, if you lose, it doesn't mean you're out. Yeah, you know, now, if just somebody make might... sure you don't just got to make sure you don't lose three, you know, well, three in a row or three out of four, three out of five. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was gonna say, I'm like, there's someone out there saying like, well, Charles, you were just talking about uh, Tony Ferguson. About yeah. Tony Ferguson. I'm like, I think that's a different story where is, he he took so much yeah. damage three fights ago. Yeah. And for the last two fights, has done absolutely nothing now. So, yeah, no, I mean, uh, my question is, who's Wilder going to blame if he loses a third time? Because it was he kind of a duel, costume, right? Yeah, and and he threw the trainer under the bus. Yeah. They fired the trainer who threw in the towel, the guy that probably saved him from you know late stage dementia later in life. Um. Yeah, so where's the excuse? Because we've gotten nothing but excuses out of Wilder, right? I think the first white fight, it was what? He was he was hurt or he was, you know, it was like the foreman excuse. Someone gave him a glass of water and tasted like medicine type mm-hmm. fucking shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, yeah, like what's the excuse going to be the third time? Is it, is it going to be, <laughs> we know it's not going to be the costume again because God knows he's not going to come out in that thing again. But yeah. It would be interesting to see. I, I think Fury wins the third one, but like we just said, if Wilder touches him, it's all over. So Yeah, I, and I, I'm actually going to see if I can find odds on this because depending on how those odds go, like if they get very, you know, very, very super silly where it turns into this kind of stuff that happens sometime in the, sometimes in these sports where 
people are like, well, Fury should be the favorite and Fury should be the favorite by a ton. Um, you know, if he gets like into that minus 400 range where I can get plus 350 or something on Wilder, I'm like, give, give me a guy who needs to land one punch at plus 350 every day. You want to bet Anthony Joshua's loving this? Because he knows him and Fury are still going to fight. So now Fury's got to go take, you know, mileage and damage from maybe the strongest hitter outside of Francis Nagano in the world. I, I, you know, I don't know. Because if I, I, I totally agree with that approach. But if I'm Anthony Joshua, I also realize yeah. that if Wilder wins, I'm, I, I'm, I don't want to fight Wilder. No. You know, and I, and that's, that's its own problem in mm. in the whole um, the zone issue thing, uh, and, and you you just might never get the fight at that point, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah, because if Wilder wins, you probably go to a number four, and then by the time it's number five, and what's Joshua doing after that? He can't fight Ruiz mm. again. So, no. so that's why this kind of feels like a Rose Joanna Way Lee round robin that these three are just gonna kind of be fighting each other for the next little while you know i'd really like to see the wilder ruiz fight i'm kind of disappointed <laughs> i'm so done with ruiz man i no, know no, he i know he had a good showing in his last yeah, fight yeah but he's not he's not like a, a you know that that joshua win was an outlier he he doesn't belong in the ring with these other guys no, i really don't think. and listen if wilder goes in and knocks him the fuck out fine right but like hey he's a former world champion go in go in and fight wilder like you know you think you belong with the big boys take one of their spots you're not going to get to fight joshua again wilder was the guy on the outside looking in so it made sense that he could have looked in that direction that i mean that's over that's that's a dream now that wilder gets the fight and it's joshua on the outside looking in joshua is not going to fight ruiz for a third time um nor should he yeah, I I could make the argument maybe he should because they're one one. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I get that. Right. Yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Ruiz, but also too with how Ruiz looked. Yeah, it's like who wanted to see that fight again, you know, after after the second version. Um, but it is a little too cute by half maybe that we're like, well, we don't actually need to see the tiebreaker because we already know. Um, it's I don't know, feels a little obnoxious. Uh, all right. Trying to keep us moving here because we're trying to keep it short today. Uh, anything from the NFL that piqued your interest in the last four or five days? I actually don't have anything that really stood out to me. Um, how about you? Uh, I got a couple old takes from the last couple weeks. Uh, we never mentioned on the show the Chiefs signed Jerk the Jet McKinnon a couple weeks back. Well, that's um, what they need more speed. Yeah, exactly. I mean, talk about the rich getting richer. Between Jerron Reed on the D-line, Orlando Easy Money Brown Jr. at left tackle to replace Eric Fisher, um, bringing in Jarek McKinnon, and they just got a a former first-round pick in Mike Hughes at cornerback off the Vikings. So the rich are getting richer in KC. Um, So I got that one off my chest. Uh, Oh, yeah, and they signed Kyle Long, (laughs) right? Um, son of a Hall of Famer, brother of Chris Long, mm-hmm. uh, former Pro Bowl guard for the Bears, who retired, and it ended up just kind of being a, a COVID opt-out situation. Uh, only with him, it was he just needed to let his body heal. I mean, he was so beat up from his Bears days. Um, but he's feeling good, and 
again, the rich get richer. I mean, if he pans out, the Chiefs are playing with house money, right? Because if he doesn't work out, boom, they just wash their hands of him. Which brings me to my next point. Tim Tebow officially a Jacksonville Jaguar. Um, what's your take on that? Do you think he makes it? I don't think he makes at it. At a training camp? camp, do you think no. he makes the final roster? No. No? I, th- I, just think I think Urban Meyer is going to give him an opportunity, and that's fine. Um, but let me let me ask you this: You think Tim Tebow can block anyone? Because if he's on the team, it says a third tight yeah. end, probably, right? Yeah, kind of goal line trick thing. I think it's kind of a I think it's, fourth quarterback. I think it's thing. real hard to go from quarterback to blocking tight end. He's not going to be yeah. their number one tight end. Yeah, it's. No, he's not. He's not. Um, this whole thing is kind of weird because this is what scouts were begging Tebow to yeah. do before he went and did the three pointless years of rotting away in the Mets minor league system. Yep. Uh, you know, almost like for hobby reasons, right? Uh, and and before that, he was in the booth for two, three years, right? So it, it really is quite a journey. I mean, if, if he's able to give them anything this year in the regular season and they're able to, and they're able to get anything at him, it's really, really a story that's worth a 30 for 30 one day. Um, just the, the road that he's been on. Uh, a lot of guys, of course, coming out and saying he got a raw deal as a quarterback. I'm not sure I believe that. I know he did win that playoff game with the Broncos, but I mean, I think um, it's a real tough go to go and beat, the Steelers in the playoffs. Yeah, it is. It is. And then it is. lose to the greatest coaching quarterback of all time and then lose your job. Like, and never get a starting job after. No, I get it. 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 It is wild. But he had stops in New England. He had stops uh, with my Jets. And at the end of the day, when you have a wind up delivery that takes five seconds for yeah. the ball to get out of your hands, and in today's NFL, like, coaches don't need to see you fail on the field to know you're going to fail on the field with that, right? Like, it got to the point that it was just going to be wasted. Like, well, we're going to waste six weeks on this guy when we already know that his windup takes too long in the NFL. Like, so he, I, he, he, were, he was too stubborn to change his throwing mechanics, and then he was too stubborn to play fullback or tight end. And here we are, like, seven years later, he's back, humbled himself, and he wants to play tight end again. Well, you know what, Tim? It's kind of too late. You're what, 35 or whatever it is now? Yeah, he's a pretty right? old guy, too. 34? Yeah. You're younger than me, you're older than me, whatever it is. So, like, good luck blocking Brian Burns of the Carolina Panthers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, shit like that. Like, have fun with that. Yeah, guy's 33. I don't think he's going to be a particularly good blocker. I On the oh. quarterback front, not to, like, rehash five-year-old arguments, I just I mm. don't – if you're a guy who won all through college – and then you come into the pros, and all you do is win, right? It's like, okay, no, he, he didn't he win the title. He's like, he won the playoff he game. He was a winner. He you're going to tell me that the if you're the 29th best team in the league that year, yeah. why aren't you taking a flyer yeah. on this guy to fucking go out there and hurl it around? We have seen much worse quarterbacks get much, many, 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 many more chances. Yeah. I mean, even like a guy like Mason Rudolph, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah, you, when you look at it like that, there should have been a shitty team that had, you know, said, here, here's the keys to the car, Tebow. Yeah. Let's see take, what you can do for a year. Because right? we were going to lose exactly. 14 games I anyways. So exactly. I agree. Let's see what we can I agree. do here, you know? I agree. Yeah. I agree with that. I agree with that. It's just, you know, 
this guy wouldn't take any coaching. Yeah. The and, day he left Florida, he he wouldn't accept any kind of criticism, any kind of coaching. He was that's the other thing nobody wants to talk about. This guy thinks he's an apostle. This is what I was gonna say. I, this guy we get believes so, he was sent as an apostle. We get so caught up in the Jesus stuff with Tebow that it it therefore well it, it couldn't possibly be that he's a bad guy then, right? No one who's a oh, Jesus a guy, guy is ever a bad guy. Like, I don't know. All this, all I've seen from this guy for 10 years is that he's chasing fame. He mm. didn't make it in the NFL, so he didn't want to stick around as a backup. Goes right? on TV. Decides he wants to be on TV. Doesn't do particularly good at that. Okay, well, how else can he's I get? Okay, well, let's become a baseball player. Yeah. Like, I hadn't played baseball since high school. Yeah. This is this is a guy who wants to be fucking famous and in the yeah. spotlight. Yeah. Uh-huh. And when you get guys like David Koresh, when you get guys like Jim Jones, who both claim to be apostles sent from God, I, I mean, I, I'm not making a connection there. I'm just saying, like, at some point you deal with narcissists and sociopaths and, yeah. you know, certain people tech, check certain boxes Needless to say, bringing it back to the X's and O's, I kind of feel like he's going to make the final roster. I just, I'm not sure they're going to get much of him. I, I, it could be like a, a poor man's Tampa Bay Gronk situation from last season, right? Where it was almost just kind of ceremonial more than anything symbolic. And yeah, he had a big Super Bowl, but other than that, nothing really, right? Yeah, I just don't see how you get him football shape going from playing baseball and spending years in the booth and now you want to be a tight end yeah. of all things. No, I, I don't, yeah, I don't get it. And like, again, you know, this, this is what scouts were begging for him to do. Yeah. And he just, he wouldn't listen to it for a second. Yeah. Cause he wanted the fame. So, and yeah, it goes to show you too, how like people get humbled, right? Like suddenly the phone stops ringing. Oh, Hey, I'll be a tight end now. Well, and you, you think about some of these guys, um, who's the Ohio state quarterback who turned into a wide receiver. Uh, Pryor? Braxton Miller. Oh, or Terrell Pryor as well. Terrell but Pryor, Braxton yeah. Miller was one, yeah. Pryor's Terrell the one Pryor. I was thinking of. Is, yeah, is, you're thinking of Pryor, yeah. It's just like, there's two different kinds of winners, right? There's winners who are doing it for their ego and that, like, if you do anything that, like, is going to hurt their ego, they're not on board anymore. Or you got guys like Terrell Pryor who just want to fucking win. So he comes into the NFL and they try him at quarterback for a bit. It doesn't really work. And they're like, all right, well, the best thing you can do to make this team win is play wide receiver. He's like, cool, let's go. I want to fucking win games. I want to play football. Um, for all the talk about Tim Tebow, I- I'll tell you what, I don't think he likes football that much. If, you're, if, if it takes you five years to figure out that you're willing to play tight end to be in the NFL, I have a real hard time imagining you want to play football that much. With all that said, I don't know that I agree that he'll make the roster. I have no issue with him being invited to training camp. Training camp. You're inviting 90 guys. The guy was an elite athlete at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a local hero. He has a history with the head coach. Um, if nothing else, he will help set the culture for a new head coach with young players in a franchise. Um, so I think there's value to them doing it. I have a real hard time imagining him out there you know, running down on the kickoff and shit like that. I just don't see that happening. You see Tim Tebow trying to can't tackle a guy on the kickoff? Like, it's not going to be a thing. No. Can I get another uh, NFL one off my chest? Yeah. This goes back to April, mid-April, April 15th. 
Um, and I got to call Mike Mayock out again. Um, waved two guys that I didn't think should be waived, especially from a Raiders defense uh, with the depth and talent issues uh, that they have. I'm talking about um, defensive end Arden Key, who was the number 87th overall pick uh, in 2018 out of LSU, physical freak. And defensive tackle Maurice Hurst, uh, who was taken 140th overall in that same 2018 draft and who had only slipped out of the first round because of a heart uh, scare leading up to draft day, who, which has since proven to be fine. What I'm getting at here is both these players were picked up the, by the San Francisco 49ers. Now, what does that tell you, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, how do you feel if you're in the Raiders front office, you send two recent high draft picks out the door who are still, uh, you know, in in firmly in their prime seasons, you know, age-wise. And then the San Francisco Super Bowl contending 49ers scoop both of them up as depth. Yeah. That's got that's got to be a shitty feeling. Yeah, absolutely. And that's got to that's got to be like a pretty good indication that you made a fucking mistake. I, the only thing I wonder about there is if there's like a locker room issue. Right. Well, are those guys I mean, just that, bad dudes yeah. and, and they're trying I mean, to Art, culture on a yeah, unit that's I mean, not doing well? For sure. I mean, when Arden Key was at LSU, he was being compared to Von Miller, like that level of an elite pass rusher. He never panned out for that, but he's still a, he's still a starting NFL defensive end. I, I don't I don't get it. And Maurice Sturz was a great uh, rotational defensive tackle. Um I think the 49ers made two good moves there. So I just, you know, again, Mayock seems to be for lack of a better term, uh, you know, penciling himself out of a job, right? I mean, this time next year, can we see Mayock still in that role? Can you? Because I can't. I did learn a stat that I was unaware of. Uh, the Oakland Raiders, pardon me, the Las Vegas Raiders were 6-2 and two on the road and 2-6 and six at home. I mean, you bring in a rowdy Las Vegas crowd into that building... Now I don't know that they can go six and two on the road again, but they had something of an opposite of a home field advantage. And when we talk about characters, like who knows, are the guys we talking about the kinds that were staying up all night in the casinos? By the way, I just want to be real clear because we try to do a podcast here where we own our mistakes. Mm. I, that stat tells me I was hella wrong about <laughs> Vegas having a distinct home field advantage by being in yeah. Vegas, right? Yeah, yeah. Um. I really just think they they got to find something on defense. They can score. That team can score. They will score. They got to figure out a way to stop somebody because they, you know, they've got two safeties now or three safeties now. We'll see what they end up doing. Um, I think that last safety they drafted, I heard Mayock talking. It sounded like it was really a depth play for them. But mm. You know they're they're gonna have to figure it out because and and they can't pressure the quarterback like they're gonna have to really get that part sorted out if they want they want something mm -hmm. to happen. Have you heard the latest Julio Jones trade rumbling? And do you buy it? Because it sounds like it's getting pretty uh, intense. Like there was some scuttlebutt leading into the draft, but it sounds like 
the Falcons feel they are so hamstrung salary cap wise by his contract that they feel backed into a corner and they feel like they have no other choice but to make a move. I heard Rappaport talking today basically and you know the way he referred to Jones's contract was he he was always saying that awful contract, the terrible contract, the albatross of a contract. So I mean he's still a hell of a receiver. Right. Right, but does he stay on the field? No, I, I get it. He's overpaid. And is is he overpaid and over the hill? Um, he was a hell of a receiver last year. Is he still going to, you know, in what, your age 34 mm-hmm. season? But as someone said, I mean, it, as soon as the Falcons took Kyle Pitts and, and passed on, you know, Justin Fields among other quarterbacks, and, yeah. and they signaled that, hey, we're, we're still win now, all in. I mean, how can then you do that and then turn around and trade away your – your quarterback's best weapon. And I just, I'll I mean, say this. I'll say this only half seriously. Like, what kind of racist shit is it that like we're saying Julio Jones has a terrible contract and no one's talking about Matt Ryan's? Yeah, you know exactly right. I mean, at least Julio's still playing at a Pro Bowl level when he's out there. So Matt Ryan didn't look so hot last year. I I think Julio gets moved because there's a lot of like kind of weird shit. You know, like yeah. he wasn't on any of the promotional materials yeah. around the yeah, team, and that yeah, kind of I stuff. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah, that speaks volumes. Yeah, that um, speaks volumes. That's that. That's intentional. You don't act. You don't leave off Julio Jones by no, accident, you don't. right? You don't. Somebody, you don't. the president or somebody said, "Eh, let's just," you know. You know. And if I remember correctly, last season Julio pulled one of those stunts where he like took all the Atlanta stuff off his Twitter or whatever, right? So yeah, that's pretty old. Like that's. I, I don't mean old like like that tactic. That play, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like you know, Allen Robinson did that when uh, talks broke down with the Bears over yeah. a long term deal last year, and it's like, first of all, who do you think you're kidding, right? Like, yeah. what you're gonna stop showing up for work? Like, we all know that's not gonna happen. Yeah. So, like, who who do you think a you're kidding? Like, what kind of threat is this? Right? I mean, it's petty. It's what it is. It's petty. Anybody that their first reaction is to jump on social media and edit their social media bio. I mean, that's like the very definition of passive aggressive. Yeah. It's some real high school shit. Honestly, it is. It is. It's like some, yeah, a girl would do on MSN messenger back. In the yeah. Day. Put like yeah. a song, like, you know, you, you piss her off or you break her heart and then she posts like a, a song, song lyric. lyric with yeah. The, yeah. The it's the like, oh, God. And, yeah, yeah. For sure. Oh no. <laughs> this is a little too real. Um, we got two baseball things we want to talk about before we go. Do you do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? Yeah, well, I mean, we're, I assume we're going to start with Tony Larusa. Well, we can do Hoyer first. I don't mind which whichever you. Want. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, you you okay. take the lead on the Hoyer stuff. Yeah. So the Hoyer story, I just find amusing because so uh, president of the Chicago Cubs, Jed Hoyer. Uh, for those of you that don't know, in baseball, once your team is at 85% vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask and have dinner together. Basically, everything goes back to normal once you've got your team to 85%. And of course, in America, you you can just do it. It's not like here where we're all waiting for second shots or first shots in a lot of cases. It's like the, your, your average run-of-the-mill dude in America has both shots in most cases now. And so... Uh, you know, he said, we're disappointed. We're not a 5% as a group and, and things like that. But I got to uh, got to say this quote because I just thought it was the greatest. It is the most polite way of saying these guys are a bunch of fucking idiots I ever heard. Um, quote, 
This is one that can be avoided, and we're not able to avoid it in some ways, Hoyer said. It's part of the job I never quite imagined, being involved in that kind of education, that kind of convincing. Uh, it sounds like this guy thinks he's got some anti-vaxxers on the team. Mm. And it's like, they dumb. We, we got some real dumb fucks here, and it's a bad time. Uh makes me wonder what players are the ones uh, quote either... i don't necessarily see that as a competitive advantage or disadvantage end quote starter jake arietta said hmm. so okay so we've got one <laughs> to start yeah and we've got one yeah uh but i i just thought that was interesting i for whatever reason i did not expect that professional athletes were going to be in the group of people that would be trying to shy away from this shit uh, that was probably pretty naive on my part. And uh, it's, it's, I, I'm going to be interested to see if we see more of this as the time goes on. That front offices start calling out their own teams um, for not getting this taken care of. All right, let's talk about La Russa. Let's yeah, Tony La Russa, and, you know, I'd kind of predicted at some point... Uh, we were going to get some interesting sound out of the South side when it came to Tony here. Um, I don't want to get too upset and too animated, but this really, this story really irks me. Um, I've got Yerman Mercedes in on one of my fantasy teams. Uh, the guy's having a breakout offensive year. I think he's leading the position in home runs hit. Um, and this is a guy who had toiled in the minor leagues the past couple of years, right? Like this is a late breakout for this guy. Having a hell of a season, uh, swung at a 3-0 pitch the other night against the Twins. It was a blowout. The Twins had a positional player on the mound to just try to get them out of there. Uh, La Russa claims he gave Mercedes the take sign, and Mercedes ignored it and hit the 3-0 pitch out of the ballpark. Just to, just to add to that, not yeah. only does La Russa claim he was, he was giving the take sign, he claims mm-hmm. he was out of the dugout on the field yelling, take, take, take. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not calling him a liar. I, I, I believe everything he says there. I just, I mean, from there on, it, the story just gets very grim to me. Um, so Mercedes hits the ball out of the park, uh, you know, such as life uh he went out there and made a successful baseball play and did what he was supposed to do in my opinion i skipped to it was either the next night or the next game two nights later whichever it was the next time these teams played um of course uh tyler duffy was on the mound and mercedes came up to bat and he plunked mercedes uh intentionally hit him below the waist with a with a you know a baseball thrown from a professional p- pitcher can't can't not feel good. Uh, so Mercedes gets hit, plunked. You know, uh, benches don't exactly clear, but you know, eventually everything settles down. Skip to after the game. Um, I wish I could play for the sound the sound for you. I wish we had the rights to it. But uh, Larissa was basically asked, you know, how do you feel about your catcher getting plunked there? And then he, he he goes to agree with, with the twins plunking him, right? Like, not only does he not back his player to the press, he throws his catcher under the bus, 
and agrees with the twins plunking his own player. Uh, it's the most blatant case of old baseball meets new baseball and dinosaur meets, you know, modern age people I've ever seen. Uh, Larusa thinks it's 1970. Uh, and he doesn't realize the game's passed him by. How do you feel about all this? Because I, I think it's just absolutely ridiculous. It's interesting. I didn't know about the day after. I, I did read stories the day after from people like Jake Arietta or Trevor Bauer, who basically defended yep. the catcher. Exactly. I'm, I'm in. Tre- I'm in Trevor Bauer's camp. Uh, Trevor Bauer put it out on Twitter, and he said, "Hey, hitters, if you ever, if it's ever a three zero count, do not feel bad hitting a home run off me." Right? I mean, well, that's it, the sport. And the other thing Bauer said was if if you want to take the game seriously then a position player shouldn't be on the mound no exactly exactly right um you don't get to yell about the unwritten rules of baseball when you got a right fielder out there pitching <laughs> like you just don't exactly. so i to a certain extent get it i enjoyed arietta being like do you know how hard it is to hit a 47 mile an hour pitch to 400 feet i'm like that's mm-hmm. i think that's the underrated part of this this was an ephis mm-hmm. pitch this was like if you were playing slow pitch mm-hmm. but with a hard ball and hit it 400 friggin feet it that's mm-hmm. an unbelievable thing the guy did mm-hmm. um it's like vladdy hitting that home run off the tee um yeah. you know or juan soto hitting a home run from his knees last night right. how about that one uh so like i I agree with the like intergenerational stuff because it, yeah, LaRusse is in his own fucking world out there. I mean, holy cow. Uh, like, can you imagine any other sport in any other context, a player going out and making a successful play as deemed by the rules well, of that particular sport and then getting th- thrown under the bus in the media? Can't the guy imagine, went out and hit a home run. Can't imagine another sport where your coach is going to come out and say, you got what you deserved when the exactly like, like, and then he even added on that and said, there would be internal punishment. What is this? The mafia? Yeah. Like, are we in Sicily here? He said, we will also figure it out ourselves, you know, internally. I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah. I will like, like, honestly, if Tony LaRusso had his way, nobody would be watching the sport. Nobody born post, 9-11 9-11 would be watching the sport. Has he never heard the term chicks dig the long ball? It's so Does he not realize that the younger generation needs these guys to go out and put on entertaining offensive shows to give a hoot about the sport he's given his life to? Uh, in fairness, White Sox currently leading the league in run differential. Uh, and in some ways, going back to what we talked about on Sunday, like, the kind of ball LaRusse is playing is the kind of baseball I want to watch. They had they had a day game on Wednesday, and Giolito was out there mowing guys down. He let him throw 110 pitches, finished yeah. the eighth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's still doing kind of like the small ball thing. I think Chicago's running. Mo- and we're seeing them run. Anyway. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I do like his old school X's and O's. Yeah, but the, just the, the old school bullshit. Stuff is so dumb. Yeah. yeah. The hot, the the holier than thou, my shit doesn't stink. I'll tell you, and I've said it on the show before, my uncle and my grandfather were absolutely right when they told me the first thing I ever heard about Tony Russo, and they said he acts like he invented the sport. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Yeah, and he it's still a, it's a two hundred year old sport, and he acts like he invented the game. Yeah, and I think that's absolutely true. I think we need to. Tony would be well served to 
continue to push a certain style of baseball while not demanding the attitude that that baseball was previously played with. If that makes any sense, you know, perfect sense. And I agree with it completely. And I also want to note that I'm not usually an internet troll or a Twitter troll for that matter, but I did, uh, attack LaRusso on Twitter the other night because I felt I had to. I, and I'm sure whatever grandchild is running that Twitter account yeah, yeah. was really, was <laughs> it was, really it was, bothered by yeah. that. It was a verified account, so I, I teed off. Um, any final thoughts before we run away for the week here? Oh, yeah. Um, shout out to Kelvin Benjamin, uh, signed this week as a tight end by the New York Football Giants. He's going to now back up Evan Ingram and the newly arrived Kyle Rudolph for Big Blue. Um, anybody that knows me personally knows that I've always been a big Kelvin Benjamin fan. I hated seeing him go to Buffalo and then Kansas City and then wash out of the league. Uh, I know he had put on some weight, so coming back as a, as a tight end does make some sense. Um, look what Darren Waller has done. Uh, you know, transitioning from a big wide out to a, you know, a move tight end for the Raiders. I'm not saying Kelvin Benjamin's going to be that guy, but he's got that connection with Dave Gettleman from their Panthers day when uh, Gettleman made a, a first round pick out of Florida State. Uh, and I love these redemption stories, right? I'll always root for these comeback types. So uh, good for Kelvin for getting off his butt, getting some cardio in and, and getting out there and going after it, huh? I actually really like the idea of the Giants turning into this like run first tight end heavy um, offense that might be the smartest thing that they can do with a mediocre quarterback who can run a little bit you know if if Saquon comes back healthy you can run play action off of that Um, but if you if you can play two tight ends as your standard um and, mm-hmm. and both of them can catch the ball you're you're in a real 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 good spot so yep. uh, I, I I definitely definitely like that approach I think it's I think it's a strong plan from them yep and I I think you got to be three deep not just three deep at tight end with you know blockers and receivers I think you need to be three deep with receiving tight ends right. I really do, and that's 2021, and once we get to, you know, 2025, 2030, I promise you, these Kyle Pitts are going to be on every single roster. I think it's going to be part of what people are looking for, and guys that we used to see going into the wide receiver role are going to be playing quote-unquote tight end, but who knows how much of it really. You see all these hybrid players on defense. We talked about the Cardinals taking Isaiah Simmons, and then... uh, the kid out of Tulsa, well, that's going to be the uh, the hybrid offensive players. It's going to be that big wide out who, you know, moves in inside to tight end on certain downs. All right. With that, his name's Nick Smart. I'm Charles Hellyer. As always, we thank you for listening, and we will talk to you again next week.